Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sammy. And we don't have Dwayne with us today. Um, uh, he'll be missed, and well, it'll be kind of fun. It's probably one of the most fun edits for him, because it's all a surprise. Yes, so, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes when I'm editing other podcasts, I can get a little, you know... I was there. <laughs> yeah. No, I you've heard you know? this before, right? Yeah. And it's like, hey, I, I, I've heard this somewhere. That joke's not funny anymore. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Although it is so embarrassing to when I'm doing the edit and I'll, I'll catch myself laughing at my own jokes. I'm like, dude, that is so <laughs> terrible. <laughs> and what's worse than I'm, I'm the one laughing the hardest at my jokes. Like, there you dude, go. That's so, yeah. so classless. But. <laughs> well, this is one of our... World famous ish, sure. Uh, in our world, uh, news episodes. Yes. And so, and this is your news for August twenty twenty one. It will still be August when this comes out. I have no idea what the date is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it will still be August. <laughs> uh, COVID broke the calendar in my brain forever. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, I do want to say before um, we get started that I was reminded today listening to a podcast um, that um, they, they mentioned that, you know, that, that <laughs> they can't make sense of the algorithm anymore. And that the way that they you know, encourage listeners to help the podcast is just telling a friend. Um, and so if you if you, you know, like our show, uh, are you entertained by us or um, appalled in a, in a fun way? Um, yeah, tell a friend. Um, somebody who might like our brand of weird nerdiness. And so that, that would be a big help to our show. But now yeah, let's go into our headline news. I forgot to do the run to the newsroom segue. Sorry, Dwayne. Um, <laughs> he, he keeps his trail on that stuff, right? He really does. All right. Uh, well, first out of the gate is the Shang-Chi experiment controversy. Oh, my. <laughs> So what, what were your what were your thoughts about this whole? You know, here's really the thing, and this is interesting, and we'll kind of follow this up in the rewind also. You know, it's like for ten years, Disney and Marvel and the MCU, it's like everybody's been playing really nice with each other, at least for the for for the front of the camera. You know, now it seems like Phase Four, it's just one thing after another, right? Um. I guess this it's almost I don't think it's a black eye on the franchise. I just think some things are maybe misconstrued and taken out of uh, out of context. You know, poor Bob Chapek. I mean, he's been CEO for for barely a year through all this covid stuff. And the man sits in a third quarter meeting and says, yes, it'll be an interesting experiment. This Shang-Chi, <laughs> you know. Well, have you have you read the um, the entire statement? Yes, and okay. and I've also looked at, at, at guess what was behind his idea of what the experiment was. So yeah. it was it wasn't what the reaction has been because basically for, for the for the listeners, basically what he was saying was like um, in a post COVID environment, well, mid COVID environment, <laughs> uh, thanks Delta, that you know they're not going to do a Disney Plus release on this one which they tried with Black Widow. And mm-hmm. so they're trying to experiment. Like, if, if this is a theater experience only, how is that going to play out? 
And so, but I think I think that some people took that as like, hey, this is this a- a- Asian led movie with an Asian star. Um, this is our experiment, and that I, I don't think it's, I don't. Chapek wasn't saying that. I mean, I don't think there was any way to take that, that that's what he was saying. He was talking about the, the theatrical release without a Disney Plus, you know, day and right. date release as well. Um, but then, I can't say that. I don't remember the guy's name. Um, the the main star of Shang-Chi. Mr. Oh, Mr. Shang-Chi. Uh, give me Simo Simo Liu. Yeah, I would have mispronounced it anyway. Um, yeah. But he, but he, he kind of clapped back on Twitter saying he didn't like them being described as an experiment. Right. And okay, here, here's my two cents. Um, I think they were together on this. <laughs> I, d- I don't think this is a real controversy whatsoever. I think I think Chapek had talked to the directors, the the actors. It's like, hey, let's make this thing a cause. Let's stir yeah. something up, and let's try to get a Black Panther, you know, sort of vibe mm-hmm. on this. So people come out in droves to support this movie, and and so let's you know let's make it a cause. Captain Marvel was a, a girl power, you know, you know event in the same way make right. it a cause and both those movies did you know business like gangbusters yep and I, I think with black widow sort of underperforming they were like hey let's let's get some of that black panther experience going again i don't i don't think this is real at all on anybody's part no you know, I think that, you know, the experiment that he, I think, is really referring to is this idea of, you know, like you said, these the past few movies, whether it be Black Widow or Jungle Cruise or Cruella, they've done day and date releases on Disney Plus and at the theater. And it's really impacted the box office. Um, now they're going to do this 45-day window that it will be exclusive to theaters, after that 45 days, then they have the option to put it onto their streaming services as premier access. You know, and I think that's really what he was referring to. 100%. Yeah. I really do worry, though, if Shang-Chi doesn't do well, how that's going to affect the rest of Phase 4. Are we going to see further delays? Yeah. Well, and I, I think that it's a really unfortunate time. If they really are doing an experiment... With, yes. with the Delta variant, with I mean, some places, you know, reinstating, I think some seating capacity stuff is going back mm-hmm. in in a few communities. Um, I don't think this is a great time to try the experiment. No, I'm, I don't know that you're getting useful information out of it. Right. Yeah, it's it's not really. I guess the, to me, I feel like the data would be really skewed, and I don't think you're going to get a clear picture because I do think audiences want to go back to the theaters. I know I've wanted to go, but. Even our local theater still is closed. Yeah. We still have to drive to go anywhere to a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, with the Marvel movies especially, there's a lot of repeat viewings. A lot of mm. nerds, we love going to these things over and over again. Yep. And with the Premier Access, yeah, pay that one time. And you can do your, you know, repeat viewings and you don't get a second, you know. Yep. You know, pocket full of cash out of that. And so I'm wondering if that's really where the experiment's coming from. Like, how 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 much if if you if because I think it's gonna be apples and oranges because of the Delta variant. Mm-hmm. But if they could do this, you know, in a straightforward manner, have the same environment for Shang Chi versus Black Widow, I, I think they I think they would really like to see like how much money they lose with it, with with losing those repeat viewings. Right. Agreed. But I think Delta's messing up the entire plan. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, how close? Remind me what the date is on Shang Chi. When is that supposed to come out? What is it? September 
third. Is it that soon? I thought it was middle yeah. of the month. Okay. No, I think it's right at the beginning of the month, if I remember. Is that, is that too close to get postponed? Because some things are getting postponed again. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yes, September 3rd. That's correct. That's what I was thinking. So, I mean, it's really right around the corner. I mean, if they try to push that back, that's going to be tough. Yeah. You know, with, with such a small window, I think. I'm pumped for it, though. That I mean, that's one of the best trailers they've done in the last couple of movies. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's cool. <laughs> and, I, and I have heard, you know, they, they've done the red carpet for the, the movie already. People have already seen the movie. Um, they're able to give their reactions, no anything else, you know, as far as some of these reviewers. Most of them are really positive about it. So I'm excited for this. I mean, as far as I'm trying to think, I think it's probably my favorite trailer I've seen since the first Suicide Squad trailer came out. Hmm. It's just, it's pressing a lot of buttons for me. Right. Well, hope, you hope, always hope say, a better movie than Suicide Squad was. We always say smart action movie, right? So yeah. you're picking up smart action movie vibes, right? Yeah. Well, the action looks fabulous. I hope it's a smart movie, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We, we referenced the Suicide Squad. That was kind of a, it wasn't what we, you know, it wasn't what the trailers told us it was going to be. Exactly. No, but you know, late. Jamie, you said this was hit, hitting all the buttons. How's Captain America 4 hitting those buttons for you as a Cap fan? <laughs> well, I'm, I, I didn't, I think of the three of us on this show, I think I was the one least enthusiastic about uh, Falcon the Winter Soldier. Right. Um, I think mostly I was, I was a little bummed about how political it got. Mm-hmm. Um, but more than anything, I was more bummed. Like you could, you could just tell when they came back from their COVID break. <laughs> Second <laughs> half of that season was just not great. Um, but I, I love Anthony Mackie, as, mm-hmm. and I've read um, a lot of issues with Captain Falcon, um, as we called him when he was in the suit. Um, I, I'm really excited about it, and I think there's a lot of potential there for him to really carry on Steve's legacy in a really powerful way in the movies. So, Yeah, I agree. You know, as far as a Captain America 4, I love that, you know, we were teased at the end that we, it, okay, it's like this. We knew it was going to happen, right? I mean, everybody knew it was going to happen. Um, but to finally get that that confirmation, you know, you talked about the political nature, and you know, we're still getting the same writers from Falcon and Winter Soldier on this movie. So I'm interested if Malcolm Spellman and once again, I'll butcher this name, uh, Dallin Musson, um, are they going to bring that same type of, of feel to the, the, the big screen as they did with the miniseries? You know, so that'll I, be interesting. See, I don't I don't mind there being a viewpoint I, and I, I love movies with real strong themes in them. Yeah. I, I just, it wasn't very subtle. No. <laughs> On the TV show. <laughs> it was pretty much, you know, just beat people over the head. And I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, some of my favorite movies have a political component to them, but it's mm-hmm. more subtle. It's more treated in a, in a thematic way. Right. And I, I'm, I'm down for that. Um, I just, you know, I don't want to watch campaign ads. <laughs> <laughs> masquerading his stories you know well, well you know as of right now the only person we know for sure is anthony mackie will be captain america in this movie 
Uh, we know nothing about if Sebastian Sam will be returning as Bucky. Um, but I think this will be a really interesting platform to bring U.S. Agent back. I wonder uh, if we're going to see him before the next big team up, once uh, uh, Ellen from Seinfeld finishes yeah. putting, her, putting her team together. I wonder if we'll see him before that. But well, you, you know, we're, we're peppering the Contessa in, right? Yeah. We're, we're putting her in. Um, and so it's like, are we going to pepper her through phase four and then maybe by phase five, you know, I'm guessing Captain America 4 is hitting in phase five. Um, we'll well, I mean, see that pay, pan out. Um, well, I, I mean, I'm curious. I mean, may, maybe this is another a different antagonist and we see her again at the end of the movie collecting mm. another member for her team. Yeah. Um, so who, who would you like to see as the antagonist? In this, are you are you pulling for a U.S. agent, you know, major you know movie blow up here or what? I don't know. I think they, they shifted a little with him. I think, you know, that they, they wanted an arc for John Walker in that miniseries. So you didn't hate him as bad when you got to the end of it. Okay. Yeah. I don't think they would do that. I think this might be a really good place to, you know, kind of bring in maybe a different cat villain. I would I don't know how they would do it, but I would love to see the Serpent Society. You know? That's where I was gonna go. <laughs> Are you great? <laughs> Yeah, they're so ridiculous. I would love to see the MCU do an MCU version of the Serpent Society and oh, make yeah. it actually cool, make it good, you know? Yeah, that that would be so much fun. And Plus, I, you would have that single, you know, protagonist against a team of antagonists, you know, and that would be a different dynamic. And he's he's so good with like eye rolling and snark and just right. I could just see him like making fun, a perfect Anthony Mackie response to how ridiculous the Serpent Society is. Like, you know, I could just see him making a face like you're right. That's the name you're going with, you know. <laughs> I could just I, I would I would love that. That that's the direction I would like them to go. That that, that would be fun, I think. <laughs> yeah, and they can make it cool. I mean, they've <laughs> they've made a lot of ridiculous stuff cool. That's very true. <laughs> All right, well, um, next up is uh, – Sammy, I want you to introduce the next one. Okay. So, you know, we've often talked on this podcast about the ability of the MCU to apply itself to different genres, right? But now our galaxy far, far away is doing the same thing, and we are going to get Star Wars visions on Disney+. Plus. You know, Mandalorian showed us we could have a Western Star Wars. You know, this is now going to be diving into Japanese anime. And this, I think, will bring in a lot of eyes. Because I know with my students right now, anime is all the rage. They are all watching it. They are all talking about it. Throw in some Star Wars in there, man. I mean... Bam, <laughs> you know. I, th- I think it's genius. I, I, I think you're exactly right. I think it'll bring in people who aren't, you know, Star Wars enthusiasts, who, who maybe are kind of over Star Wars. Like, hey, I'll give an anime Star Wars another chance. Mm-hmm. Or, or they're just people who are anime fans. Like, this is another anime thing for them. Yeah. And maybe it pulls them into Star Wars. I, I think it's got a chance at, you know, bringing in an audience that's maybe faded or even a completely new audience. But uh, did you watch the trailer? Yes. Oh, yeah. 
Dude, that thing looks awesome. Oh, yeah, it looks amazing. And, you know, really, when you think about the inspirations that George Lucas had for Star Wars, you know, Akira Kurosawa's work was what, what you know, was one of those inspirations. So it's it's a perfect fit, you know, but that trailer, man, that was so dynamic. I mean, it just looked beautiful. You know, I did have one little thing, though. Okay. Uh, if anybody's read the original Star Wars series from Marvel, um, is that supposed to be a nod to uh, Jackson, the the rabbit, <laughs> for that one character? <laughs> I, I keep meaning to go back and read the original Marvel run because I've heard it right. gets wild. Oh, it does. Uh, but I'm having trouble keeping up with the modern Marvel Star Wars <laughs> yeah. series. Yeah, they, they, well, there's a whole franchise, it seems, for those. So, All right. Um, but, yeah, I think it looks really epic. I think it's, it looks interesting, with some, like, especially some of the character designs, especially for the Sith characters. They look really creative. So um, yeah. I think I think especially like the, um, the Jedi-Sith corner of the Star Wars universe really lends itself well to an anime um, reimagining. And, and just seeing the lightsaber pulled out, you know, like, like, like a katana would be, you know, that was just so cool. You know, and they have released the episode titles and the voice talents that are doing the dubbing. That cast so, is awesome. Oh, my gosh. Lucy Liu, David Harbour, Neil Patrick Harris, jo- uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, George Takei. I mean, oh, man. Uh, this is just amazing. Well, speaking of things that are what well, we hope are amazing, um, we got a teaser pick and a release date for Amazon's Lord of the Rings. Um, it was a cool picture. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, it looks beautiful. I don't know what it tells me about the show. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, they did release the, that that picture. At the, they, they finished filming, essentially. And they've been in New Zealand doing this. So they went back to... You mean Middle Earth? You know, yeah, exactly. They went back to Middle Earth to be able to really <laughs> film this thing properly. Now, unfortunately, from what I've heard, Season 2 is moving back to Britain, which really was Middle Earth. But... <laughs> so Not anymore. They're going from Middle Earth in New Zealand to the actual Middle Earth that Tolkien had. Uh, but I think that... What's really cool, and I've listened to so much speculation on this. I listened to a couple Tolkien podcasts, um, and they're they're wondering and talking about how they think this picture is Valinor. You know, this is the fabled land, the blessed city of the immortal Valar that's in Tolkien's Legendarium. So this will probably – I thought this was going to be first age. Everything I'm seeing, this is second age. We could see young Elrond and young Galadriel in this. That's so, not what we were told originally. Yes, I know. And now everything I'm reading, they're saying, oh, yes, we're going to be exploring the, you know, the so far untold tales of the Second Age. So are we going to see, you know, the fall of Melkor and the rise of, of Sauron throughout the course of this? You know, as one dark lord falls and the and the other rises, um, that'd be interesting. Got to tell you, I'm still nervous. Oh, I'm very nervous. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> I'm very nervous. You know, 
it could either he, go very wrong or very right. So it, it could go Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings. Well, or it could go Peter Jackson, Hobbit bad. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, let's uh, pick up the pace and head uh, for the roundtable rewind. Um, we sort of danced around earlier, the uh, Bob JX first review, <laughs> rough first year here. Um, so the first item here is the Black Widow uh, Scarlett Johansson lawsuit uh, that's going on here. And so if anybody's been living under a rock for a while, um, as soon as Black Widow came out and the box office numbers were released and the um, Disney Plus numbers were released, which was really weird. Nobody releases streaming numbers like that. No. Uh, <laughs> normally we have no idea. <laughs> anyway, um, apparently... Um, ScarJo and Disney have a disagreement on how she was supposed to be paid. And so she says that in her contract, it had to be a theatrical and theatrical only because um, like most of the MCU stars, most of her pay comes from the back end. So however, however well the movie does, they get, so they have an upfront. I think she got, I think she got 20 million upfront. They were supposed to be like, she expected a big bunch from the back mm-hmm. end, but um, she didn't get any of that from the Disney Plus money. And so she's saying that, you know, because they, that, they, that they broke contract with her and that that those people that should that should have been theatrical money. And <laughs> she didn't see the dollars. Right. And then Disney released a, one of the worst press releases at, oh. in modern PR history. Where they basically said that she hated people and wanted them to go to theaters and get COVID. That's what it amounted to. <laughs> Yeah, basically saying that, you know, it's a shame that, that she's causing all this stink with, with people suffering from COVID the way they are. And yeah. yeah, you know, here's my thing with it. You know, just like we said with, with Shang-Chi, Disney knew this was going to be tough. That's why they released it in both. But here's the thing. Black Widow, just based on box office is one of the lowest performing MCU movies. And I feel like they were playing a little fast and loose. I think they knew it was going to be low. I think in some ways they're trying to cheat her out. I mean, I really do. I'm going to fall in ScarJo's side with this. You know, I think Disney as a company is smart enough to know if I'm going to release a a movie and I don't think it's going to do really hot – Then we're going to put it over on our streaming service also, you know. Now, see, everything I've heard, though, HBO Max, you know, all these streaming services have been doing the same thing. HBO Max did supposedly go back and renegotiate contracts for Kong and Godzilla, for, you know, the Suicide Squad, all of that stuff. Disney's not doing that. Now, then they also came out and said, well, Dwayne Johnson's not suing us, you know, and we released Jungle Cruise the same way. You know, and I just think it's sad. It's putting a long shadow on to me what was a really good movie. Yeah, and a movie she deserved a long time ago. <laughs> well, I I, th- I think this movie wasn't going to do as well as some of the previous MCU movies for a variety of reasons. Um, one reason was this movie should have happened, you know, five minutes after Civil War ended. Yep. Instead, they waited till her character died. I mean, you're not you're not going to have the emotional stakes because you number one, she's not in any real danger. We know she survives this. She dies later on. We know where that's at. Um, and it's a character that we've already, you know, 
this is a terrible uh, thing to say, but like in our nerdy little hearts, we've already grieved over Black Widow. You know, we've already mm -hmm. said goodbye to her. It's it's a weird thing to go back to the movie now. So this probably was not going to have the same level of excitement. Right. Some of the previous ones. There's also I don't know, a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of a problem. So I, I, my, my two cents is that this is, it's not a great look for ScarJo. Um, one, one, one reason is that she could have gone through for, for arbitration and she would have won hands down, mm -hmm. but instead she made it public. And so it feels like it's personal. And so, um, so it's not a great look to be suing people during COVID over a bunch of money. Um, when you're, when Disney already pointed out, Hey, you're making $20 million. You know, a lot of us, you know, most people are never going to see that kind of money in, you know, in their entire lives. Nope. Uh, so it's not, it's not a great look, but she's right. Disney bungled this thing. Yeah. Uh, she's already released emails where like she was concerned about this and they told her like guaranteed, like, no, we won't, we won't do Disney plus simultaneous. Yeah. We're, we're not going to do that. It's the last right. thing we would never do that to you. And if we did, we would renegotiate with you. And they, they completely didn't do it. So they've got, you know, documentary evidence that they didn't, you know, this, they knew this was a problem and didn't change anything about it. Right. So she's going to win. It's just not a great look. Yeah. And, and I, I understand in some ways why she's doing it, because this is going to set a precedence. You know, we've got, you know, because really this is still up in the air, I think. I think the future of movies is still debatable. How much will be streaming? How much will be theater? And this could set a precedent uh, in, in terms of how these actors are, are paid for their work, how everybody's going to get paid in turn. So, yeah. And so she might just be, you know, kind of biting the bullet for everybody. Right. All right. So, staying in the MCU, our next uh, segment is uh, What If? And um, I'm just going to make a confession here right up front um i haven't seen any of it so far so so sammy how's it working <laughs> all right you know my big thing with this you know we're post loki right we got the big break in the timeline and now we're seeing the cracks and it's it's kind of interesting uh i've watched the the first two episodes the uh captain carter episode and the star lord t'challa i've watched both of them um i enjoyed both of them very much. Um, a lot of people have been a little bit more down on the uh, Captain Carter episode, and most people have talked much more about uh, the Star Lord T'Challa. And it, but, and like I said, you'd have to watch it for yourself. You know, they they, they make some valid claims, I think. But I've enjoyed both of them. Um, for me personally, anytime Haley Atwell is going to show up to play Captain Carter. I just want to see her roll into the movie, to a movie personally, okay? And I'd be totally down with that. Uh, wouldn't bug me in the least. Uh, Kang, Kang has reared his head. Anything could happen. Yeah. And and this is also that idea of maybe if we ever finally do get one of those other trailers, this is how Toby and Andrew and Tom are going to be able to all kind of show up. You know, so <laughs> – but it's interesting. It, it is really cool. Uh, the animation styles is interesting. Um, it, it, it's got a little bit of almost a flat color to it, um, but you get used to it fairly quickly, I think. Well, we're comic book readers. We're used to very different coloring styles. Exactly. That's kind of the way I look at it. You know. <laughs> well, I'm excited. About it. I, I mean, I've always, when I was a kid, I mean, it was sort of during like one of the heydays of the What If comics, and I always got a kick out of them. And so, oh yeah. 
I'm, I, ha- I haven't watched them out of any kind of resistance. It's just been a time constraint issue. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to get to them. I just haven't been free to. Um, speaking of things I haven't watched, um, <laughs> but it's going to happen. <laughs> when Dune comes out on HBO Max, I'm going to sign up for a free trial and I'm going to get caught up on all of the Warner Brothers movies I've missed. There you go. <laughs> I've got a plan. Um, but uh, these Suicide Squad Rotten Tomatoes scores were very interesting. So, Sam, you put this on here, I think, because of the critic score. So, Yes. You know, how long has the DCEU been mired by critics? Um, I think it's no one lift. Something like that. So, <laughs> you know, with the exception of two movies – there has not been a single DC movie that has been certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Two movies Can I guess? now makes it three. So what do you think the two are? Well, Wonder Woman for sure. Because it's, sure. aw- it's just an awesome movie. Um, I'm going to go Shazam. You got it. Nail on the head. Wonder Woman is 93%. Shazam was 90%. So I didn't both, think it'd be that high. Wow. Yes. So both of them, I, and I double checked just the other day because I wanted to kind of see where this all fell in. So James Gunn's The Suicide Squad is at 91% certified fresh as of yesterday when I checked this. I don't know if that shifted or how that would shift, um, which is extremely a strong increase from the first Suicide Squad movie at a 69%. Uh I didn't hate the David Ayer movie. I did, and I enjoyed that movie, and I still do to this day. Yeah. I rewatch it every once in a while just for fun. You can just see a lot of scenes, like where you know you can clear. There's you know, yeah, <laughs> studio interference, and all, I mean, you can you can see the scenes where the problems are. But I, I still had a good time with it. And here's the thing, okay, and I'm not spoiling anything. You've seen the trailers of this, right? You know we've got Starro the Conqueror. We have a starfish kaiju. And this thing is still coming in at 91%. I mean, come on. James Gunn's doing something right here, people. <laughs> now, I went and looked at that um, when you put on the thing um, on, the, on the document. You, we didn't have the score yet, so I had to go look it up. Here's what I thought was fascinating. Mm-hmm. On, on nerdy movies, normally critics give these kind of movies low scores, but the audience scores are super high. Correct. Here's the strange thing. The critic score is 91 the audience score is 83. <laughs> Critics like a movie, like you said, with a starfish kaiju in it more than the audience did. What is that about? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I'm still baffled by that. That doesn't make any sense. And it's a James Gunn movie. The critics don't like him. And then you've got Idris Elba in here, and you've got Stallone voicing King Shark, and you've got... I mean, John Cena as Peacemaker. I mean, you've got a lot of names that are well-known in pop culture. So. But not always critical darlings either. I mean, yeah, it's very true. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated by that lower audience score. Then. Um, yeah. All right, so next up is one you put on here. And so I have no idea. I, I was completely in the dark that this was a thing. Mm-hmm. So um, why don't you break this one down for me and I'll... Help me understand why this is a controversy. Okay. So here's the thing. You know how us nerds have certain holy grails, right? And we don't want anybody slaughtering those sacred cows, 
right? We, we, we know this. So since 1980, Boba Fett's iconic spaceship, starship, See, I needed Dwayne for this because I'm talking starships. Was called the Slave One. But in an upcoming Marvel comic in War of the Bounty Hunters, they've changed the name. The ship is now called the Fire Spray. <laughs> so, obviously, you mess with pets, you're going to get fans upset. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> now, I, I looked this up, and I was really confused because it just said, like, yeah, fi- fire, spray, fire Spray is a class of, you know, spaceship in the Marvel Universe. I mean, in the, in the Star Wars Universe. And I was like, okay. Why is that a problem? They showed a picture. Like, that, that looks like Slave 1. Slave 1 must be a Fire Spray. I didn't know until, like, three or four more links down, like, they realized they had changed the name. I'm like, oh, I see why the nerds are mad. Yes. Well, and, and that's the thing. Its model classification is a Fire Spray 31 patrol and attack craft. So that is its designation. But that Which was kind of dumb. That was its name, though. Yeah. It's not, I mean, it like changed the name from the Millennium Falcon to like Corellian Freighter. I mean, yeah. it, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a dumb thing. I mean, Fire Spray sounds cool, but it's, it's kind of dumb to change it to the class of the thing. But. And I wonder if it's just because, like, Boba Fett can shoot fire. He can spray fire. I don't know. Are they trying to be clever? I don't know. <laughs> I, do, I mean, I, I get why they made the change. Um, right. Um, but I just didn't think it was that. Im- I mean, I, I understand. We we're, we get emotionally attached to things. We do. So I, I, I get why people... I just I don't care what it's called. It looks cool. It doesn't. It's a ship that doesn't make any sense. The way it flips around, it doesn't make a lick of sense. It just looks cool, and it still looks cool. They're not going to redesign the ship because it has a different name. Yeah. I mean, no. Even as a as a child, I never knew how to really fly the thing because the handle was on the bottom, <laughs> and so I couldn't figure out how to hold it to even fly it because the you know the rudders kept twisting no matter which way you turned it the correct way. So you know. I didn't pay attention in the movie, I guess, when it took off from Cloud City, but, you know. <laughs> I didn't know forever, like, what its name was. It's like, it's that really weird but cool Boba Fett ship. Right. <laughs> oh. But you know what? It's just, it's just one of those things. A lot of nerd history from the 80s, and we've talked about it, you know, how things that maybe didn't strike us a certain way when we were kids, now as adults, we, we can look in it with a fresh eye. You know, and and I think a lot of people are doing that, and that's why we're getting these fresh coats of paint on things that that maybe some people don't agree with, but yeah. it's just part of it. Well, I think I would have preferred for them to maybe in a upcoming season of a Disney Plus show, like leave the name on there, but because it's very clear, like slavery is still a thing in the Star Wars universe, mm-hmm. and ma- maybe have that be a major storyline on one of the right. new shows coming up where they're fighting slavers or trying to break. You know, part of the one of the themes of the season is them trying to like one of the one of the subplots is trying to end the slave trade or something. I, I would rather have seen them instead of just doing like you said a fresh coat of paint. Um, I, I'd rather like take it head head on and right. and do something with that instead. But they didn't. Well, you know, it's not like they have a show going to be called The Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> you know, so it's yeah, not like they have an opportunity or anything. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I just could have given it some meaning. Like maybe after some point after Django died, Boba was enslaved, 
and right. and he named it that, and you know, in honor of like when he when he earned his freedom, just as a reminder to never let it, never you know, be in that situation again, and not to encourage you know or allow that to happen around him. You know, I, I, they could have given it some meaning. Yeah, but but they went they went the fresh coat of paint route. Um, yes, of course. <laughs> well, we're done with all of the news now. Um, want to get out our crystal balls? Let's do it. All right, so um, last time, what feels like 300 years ago, um, we did predictions for Black Widow, and I think you wrote down the scores. I did. I did. And so, I don't remember. I, I know what the actual score is. And so what you're revealing to me are our scores that I've completely forgotten. Even my own score. I have no idea what I said. All right. So for Black Widow, our numbers, I gave it an 89%. Jamie, you were at 83%. And Dwayne was the optimistic one at 95%. So, how off the mark were we, or were one of us at least horseshoe rolls? Um, I I'm trying not to be Captain Smugface over here. Uh-oh. Uh, I was closest. Um, we all failed the prices right rolls. We all went over. Um, right. it's got an eighty percent on the tomato meter. Not a terrible grade. No, not at all. Yeah, and um, I was closest, so I'm happy about it. Hey, there you go. Take that win, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get a lot of them. I'll take it. Well, um, so we're uh, seems like we're doing new shows about monthly or every six weeks now. So we're gonna grab the biggest movie in the next uh, sort of time frame there, and of course, it is the um, previously discussed Shang Chi. Or how how does Kevin Feige say it now? Shang Chi. <laughs> you think he's doing that because we've mispronounced his name for a decade? I don't know, Fiji, you know. Fog. Fog, yes, there yeah. we go. All right, so uh, Dwayne gave us his score, and I was tempted to change mine because we're very close. But Dwayne went 84%. Uh, Sammy, what did you have? Um, I actually went a little higher. I was at an 86%. Well, I'm sitting right between you at 85 <laughs> So we're all... <laughs> Whoever wins this, is, it's not going to be me because I'm in the middle. Um, <laughs> which is kind of a bum. Right out of a shot now. Um, but yeah, I, but that's sort of my... my I, I don't expect, unless it's the Suicide Squad, apparently, for critics to ever completely adore a superhero movie. Um, I don't. I think at the heart of hearts, they kind of see it as beneath them. They're not true art. You know, they're not sophisticated or whatever. Right. Um, but I do, I do think this movie has... It looks really good. And it doesn't look like it probably will fit into like the cookie cutter paradigm that the Marvel movies are accused of always fitting into. And so it looks like it's going to be different and enough that maybe it'll get some love that way. Well, you know, we've talked about how I think phase four is going to be different. And even though Black Widow was technically the kickoff for phase four, I feel like Shang-Chi really is the official kickoff 
for Phase Four because it's a brand new era. This black that Black Widow movie really harkened back, like you said, should have been five minutes after Civil War. Um, so yeah, but I'm excited for this. I love the trailers. I'm, I I don't know anything about the character, so this is all new territory for me. So I'm really looking forward to it. There's a um. I think it's an ongoing, a new comic book series. I mean, of course, I mean, when there's a movie coming out, they're going to put out a comic book series. But, um, I think a guy is usually a DC writer. I can't say his name uh, right correctly. Gene Lewin Weyang. Okay. I think I, I know. Yes. I'm sure I just butchered that completely, all the pieces. Um, but it's been pretty good. Um, and it's sort of delving more into like the world he came from. Because mostly, most of the Shang-Chi stories I've read have been um, in, in New York City with the rest of the Marvel characters. Right. But uh, this is like he's delving back into his roots. It's been really interesting. And it, it, it's sort of getting me more excited for the movie, it's seeing some of that background stuff. So, um, yeah. But you were, you were talking about how the this is sort of a, a new beginning. We're diving into something new mm-hmm. uh, in the next phase of the Marvel movies. Um, we're diving into something new next month. Uh, what are we doing, Sammy? All right. So we had so much fun with Spielberg Month. Remember, we even extended it a week. We had so much fun. So we're playing around with our theme idea. And as we were drafting movies, for some reason, Jack Black kept showing up. So we decided, dear listeners, as strange as it may seem, to have a Jack Black Month. So we're going to be focusing on the body of work from Mr. Jack Black, you know, and we're actually kicking this off with Dwayne's pick. So we've not done a lot of animated types of movies. We've done a few on on our podcast. So we are kicking off with 2008's Kung Fu Panda. I'm excited about this because this was one of those out of the blue movies that was a good time. Like my kids wanted to watch it. They were really little. And I was like, it's Kung Fu. How terrible could it be? You know, maybe there'll be something fun. I enjoyed it a lot. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching it again. Cause it's been a while. Yes. Uh, but then talking about it with you guys. So I, I'm, I'm really excited. This is a kind of a, we haven't done a lot of animation lately either. So but we haven't, I mean, and really, if you think about it, we've done, I think Fox and the Hound, we've done spider verse. Um, yeah, I mean, so we've a not few. really, yeah, not hit a lot of animation. So this adds another, you know, kind of animation movie to our list. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. it. Like you said, it's been a while since I've seen this, uh, but I remember really liking it. I remember even playing the video game version of it. So at one point I got we that. Yeah. It, I think it came with a Lego Indiana Jones when you like <laughs> bought the Xbox or something like that. Yeah. So a little bit of that so um but yeah right now uh, as far as we know the entire kung fu panda library is available on netflix uh so if you don't have it on the shelf you should be able to uh, you know hop on netflix and be able to take a look at it there All right, well until we get to kung fu panda next week we're going to you know stack up giant cups of noodles as we keep it nerdy.